Hi, and welcome to the Sat Cold Podcast. I'm your host, Naomi May, a writer and editor, and I'm so excited to be joined by Marie Claire UK's health and sustainability editor, Ali Head. Welcome, Ali. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I am really interested in how the two topics of your job title, health and sustainability, marry together. Can you Talk me through that. Yeah, of course. And it's a question I get asked a lot, so don't worry. Um, I've always kind of drawn the parallel of health being you looking after yourself and your own body and sustainability being looking after the planet, right? And I think there's quite a lot of overlap there, actually. If you think about your future and you're someone who's kind of investing in moving your body quite a lot or, I don't know, eating good foods um, to invest in long-term health, then you probably will be quite eco-conscious as well because uh, you want to invest in the the long-term health, as it were, of the planet. And what is the wider ethos at Marie Claire surrounding sustainability? Yeah, so we always encourage our audience to start somewhere. That's kind of our tagline. And I know when I joined, so I've been full-time as sustainability editor for about three years now, even I was a bit like, oh my goodness, sustainability can feel so overwhelming um, if you just take it at top value and you suddenly go, oh my goodness, I've got to go vegan, I've got to never buy clothes again, X, Y, Z, I need an electrical vehicle, electric vehicle. Um, And I think so many people can just get so overwhelmed and actually all we're trying to encourage our readers to do is one small thing, say every day, that will add up to make a much bigger difference. And what are some of the most exciting sustainable developments you've seen and how has that narrative changed? Yeah. When I joined Marie Claire UK kind of three or so years ago now, we were doing so much reporting on, um, you know, wider climate change, global warming, what and why, you know, things were happening as they were. And it felt quite frustratingly like a lot of it was kind of falling on deaf ears. The appetite wasn't there as much. And then you kind of fast forward three years now and I feel so proud that actually sustainable fashion in particular is really having a moment you know we've seen huge resale platforms on kind of national tv shows um not not just as a one-off but now becoming a a regular um occurrence you're seeing like i go up in my tiktok and it's just thrifting tips and people at car boot sales and secondhand shopping and so i think the most exciting thing for me as sustainability editor has seen this shift in attitude and excitement and it's it's Mm. like it's cool to shop secondhand now you don't have to. I think we're so conditioned, actually, to just buy things because we need them. And if you actually stop and think, like, do I need it or do I think I need it? And do I have something at home that I could repurpose or, you know, make look a certain way? If you liked a person's outfit, do you have to shop all of the links? Or could you just get creative and be like, right, how do I... I do this so often. How do I make that from my own wardrobe with the things I already own? If you get bored of how your living room looks, shop your home a bit and go, right... That's been in the study, perhaps put that in the lounge or, you know, whatever it might be. So, yeah, I feel uh, quite lucky in that. I think I've always had quite a um, slow approach to things. But it's not it's not always that way for most people. And I think the majority of the UK population, like I used to go to the high street with my mum if I was going out and you'd buy a new top because you were going out and that's just what you were, that's what you did. And so I think reframing that mindset completely of how you you act and how you shop is is the kind of first step for sure. And what's been the most interesting topic that you've covered in terms of the environment? Yeah, I know. So personally, a lot of the panels that I do are on 
kind of sustainable fashion and as you can probably hear I could wax lyrical about all the different um, ways you could upcycle, make things look different, you know, and I get to talk to so many amazing experts day in, day out that are so passionate about that and can share so many great tips. But my editor-in-chief, Andrea, um, actually kind of put this issue on my radar about two years ago now, and I just could not believe it. We ran a lot of coverage around it as part of our um, guest edit special with Bonnie Wright in uh, April, who has a really amazing um, book about living more sustainably. And it's essentially about the kind of gender... Um, gender imbalance when it comes to climate change. So it's no secret that climate change is impacting certain parts of the world more than others. And sadly, often those parts of the world are least responsible for the, the climate change um, issues that we're facing. Um, and more often than not in these communities, there's still a massive gender imbalance of kind of uh, women ranking lower than men. And so having to do more, even for example, household chores like go and collect water sadly if the water's you know no longer available in the place that you've gone to for the last 10 to 20 years and you're having to walk you know up to 10 20 miles extra a day to get that water that's going to massively impact your health well-being and also your family not only that um in a lot of places there are really harrowing examples of kind of families falling on hard times as a result of climate disasters and uh, you know, young girls even being sold off or, you know, really horrific um, circumstances actually that are forcing women to be impacted by these kind of climate disasters a lot more than men are just because of those gender imbalances. And another, you know, way that women are probably impacted um, slightly more than men. But hopefully we're changing the narrative around it and, you know... Hopefully, if we can get the message out there, Marie Claire, that every single small step does make a difference, people will feel more encouraged and um, confident to kind of make the right steps and make those make those decisions that make all of the difference. A lot, a lot of the work we're trying to do at Marie Claire is make sure that the brands we're featuring are genuinely sustainable and, you know, B Corp certified, Leaping Bunny certified, Soil Association certified, anything, you know, any... Um, any of the bodies that do amazingly hard work to make sure that, you know, these these myths and, and the greenwashing is dispelled. But then do the general public know to look out for the B Corp certification? Often not. So making sure they know what B Corp is, making sure our readers know what Leaping Bunny is and so on. But, but I do think there needs to be kind of stricter, um, perhaps not legislation, but greenwashing does definitely need to be part of the narrative more. And I hope we are educating our readers more about what greenwashing is and how to kind of spot greenwashing claim versus a genuinely sustainable business doing their bit because it's a shame when businesses are working so hard to do good and others perhaps not not so much. So I know through my work with Satcold that reusing textiles has a 70 times lower environmental impact and I know that you are a huge fan of upcycling so please share all of your tips and tricks with our listeners and viewers. I feel like a little bit befraud now because <laughs> I feel like again my family are going to laugh so much I am so bad at sewing but that's something I don't try. Um, even just things like from a purely like cost-effective um, viewpoint, when we moved into our home, I was like, right, we've got quite a lot of ugly furniture. How do we make it not look ugly? Um, I think it's just getting creative. One of my favourite um, kind of tricks is just bookmarking any outfits that I love um, or home, you know, inspiration that I love. And then kind of seeing what I've got in my house or my wardrobe that I can just get a bit creative with. Um, 
and also remembering to put newspaper down on your wooden floors because I so often have not done that when I've painted things and Oof. yeah that's not a fun. tough lesson to learn the hard way. <laughs> not fun. <laughs> and what role do you think social media has to play in all of these conversations surrounding the environment? Yeah, a, a huge one, actually. And I, I think it plays a huge part in why the narrative has changed so much in the past kind of three years. Because I think TikTok, largely, you see... Um, people going to car boot sales and you're like, oh, I know what a car boot sale might be like now because you feel like you've seen someone, you've been with someone on TikTok. So it plays a large part in encouraging people to do good, even like the vegan recipes that I'm constantly bookmarking on my own TikTok or Instagram. Um, I feel like it'd be, it can be a really inspiring, positive force. But also, uh, I don't know, we see a lot of the news on social media now, don't we, before we've even seen them on um, verified um sites like the BBC and you know on television and I think we just need to approach everything we see kind of news wise with some caution because it's a whole new conversation about I think where reporting is going to go and just just you know using your common sense verifying claims when you see them but then remembering that it means that we're seeing these things as they're happening and hopefully it means that the narrative will continue to change people will continue to push forward for um you know more sustainable way of living we're more connected now than we ever were and so i think you can only see it as a force of good and a, a you know source of inspiration for so many people um but perhaps also just remember to be a bit careful with how you use it sometimes ali thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me thank you